live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. A frozen edition on Monday Night Football. But then again, Packer fan does not care. Packer fan is about that life. And as long as they win, it really doesn't matter. And that's what happened last night. So, all of a sudden now, things are kind of looking up, right? Kind of, sort of looking up for the Packers. That's two dubs in a row for Green Bay for the first time since September. So now, they're only one behind the Commanders, the Seahawks, and the Lions in the win column. And in terms of playoff probability, at least according to ESPN, they're now all the way up to a whopping 12.2%. I saw somebody with the Athletic had it at 7%, but Packer fan, I've got your back. I'm going to round that up to the 12.2% that ESPN has. Now, that may not sound all that high, a 12.2% probability rate for the playoffs except it's about 12.2 percent higher than Packer fan could have or would have expected when they were sitting there at four and eight a couple of weeks back so what I'm saying to you is at least there is a chance a small chance an outside chance but there's a chance as long as you win out and get a hell of a lot of help there is a chance that you could still get in I mean, hell, crazier things have happened in the NFL. Crazier things have happened in the NFL in the last 48 hours. Way crazier. And it's not just me saying that things are looking up, by the way. Not my words. They're actually the words of Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. I mean, look, uh, before the Bears week, we knew we had a bye afterwards. and, And those of us who sometimes peek ahead knew that we had to win five and then have a lot of things go our way. So we won two, and just about everything we've needed to happen has gone our way. Just about, right? So things are looking up. That's what I'm saying. They need to win out, and they need lots of help. And to his point, he knew that. They knew that a couple of weeks back, and so far that's happening. So, quote, things are looking up. So here's what winning out would look like. First, you've got to beat Miami on Christmas Day. Then you've got to beat the Vikings on New Year's Day. Then you've got to beat the Lions on the last day. Hey, this is not easy. In fact, that's some pretty tough sledding right there, especially for a team that right now doesn't really scare anybody. But again, not impossible. At least you still have something to play for. That's the thing, which is a lot more than I can say about the defending champs who will not be defending Jack this year. Because they're also officially eliminated. And they're unofficially the saddest defending Super Bowl champs ever. It was like a Super Bowl hangover that turned into full-fledged Super Bowl alcohol poisoning. Essentially a mulligan of a season. A, oh, whoops, excuse me, my bad, bad. of a season. I called it wrong. My bad, excuse me. Excuse me, I, I have alcohol poisoning. Excuse me, my bad. Point four zero. I got the scores right. Excuse me, my bad. Is there one of those uh, mobile hydration units where somebody can hook me up to an IV on Saturday morning? My bad. Has anybody ever done that? Does that work? Anyway, so Baker, last week, Baker Mayfield was a blast. I'm not going to say he wasn't. That was a hell of a lot of fun. But Baker off the street was never going to save this Rams team. We know that. Because nobody could save this Rams team. 
but I'm still ignoring the very best thing about the game last night. You want to talk about burying the lead. You want to talk about burying the lead big time, or at least I've buried the thing that I was most fired up about. Because yesterday we spent the entire show open, and then most of the show talking about the greatest play ever. One of the single best things I've ever witnessed, ever. And I declared Jacoby Myers my hero. And I meant it. Like, move the hell over, Ron Say. Move over, Terry Bradshaw. Gail Goodrich, please. Please. If Jacoby Myers had been around when I was a kid, I would have wanted to grow up to be Jacoby Myers. Hell, I'm old enough to be Jacoby Myers' dad, and I still want to grow up and be Jacoby Myers. Dude is a legend forever in my book and my personal hero, and apparently I'm not the only one who feels that way. I'm not the only one reacting to what happened the day before. I was not the only one who was profoundly moved and inspired by what might be the the greatest play ever. Because there I was last night in the Tower of Hate, the Tower of Power, where I do my prep at night, doing my job, sticking with this sleepy, frozen game into the fourth quarter, knowing that at least I'll win my bet, doing my prep, and then it happened. And then it happened yet again. Fourth sack of the night for Green Bay. Mayfield got hit. Picked up by Douglas. Rasul Douglas. Now throws it backward for Amos. And Adrian Amos. What a freaking stud. I've got a new favorite Packer. Rasul Douglas. Welcome to the Jim Rome Hero Club. Numbering two. It's a two-member club now. My man, you genius. Give this dude a bust in the Jacoby Myers Hall of Fame. Like, I can't express how fast that the viewing experience went from dull and boring to absolutely electric with that incredible homage and tribute. I went from grinding through that game, just trying to get through it, to swimming, if not drowning in dopamine. Literally in that instant, the Tower of Hate became the Tower of Power, the Tower of Positive Vibes. What an incredible decision to just fling the ball blindly backwards towards his own end zone after an INT while holding on to a 12-point lead in the fourth quarter. Now, that is the work of a genius. Remember, Jacoby at least tried to pick Mac Jones out. He ended up hitting Chandler Jones, no relation, between the numbers, but at least he had a target. Rasul was like... Target? Who needs a target? This will be even better and even more spectacular. I'm just going to blindly chuck it over there towards my own end zone. I mean, it's so amazing. I love it so much. And some of the social media takes crack me the hell up. People just don't get it. People just don't understand. People were like, hey, gee, I guess uh, Rasul didn't watch that Pats Raiders game. That's like the dumbest reaction ever. Of course he watched the game. He obviously watched the game, and he obviously had the same reaction that I did. He was inspired. He was filled with joy, energy, passion. He gained a hero, so he paid the perfect tribute to that hero. Even the Manning cast 
fell into the trap of getting all red-assed about something that was absolutely amazing that they just did not get. High safety. Worked that well. Uh-oh. 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 Don't lateral. What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. The right thing. Yeah, lateral again. Get back to the Rams. Something yeah. awesome. Get back to the Rams. Throw it. Throw it to Baker. <laughs> did no one watch the game yesterday and say that was a bad idea? Lateral. I don't think he got, it. I don't think he got anything on it. Are you all right? Bros. Bros, you're like... Football royalty, the first family of the NFL. How do you guys not understand what's going on here? I mean, like, I understand that the two of them have more actual football knowledge in their actual pinky fingers than all of us combined. But, my dudes, you whiffed on this one. Like, Eli, don't lateral it. What is he doing? No, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? My guy, you're not on the Packers, you're broadcasting the game. Your team content now, bro. And what Rasul is doing is genius. Quote, did no one watch the game yesterday and see that that was a bad idea? Did no one watched the game yesterday and say that was a bad idea? Oh, no. We saw the game yesterday and realized it was the best idea. Some of us, obviously, including Rasul Douglas. I mean, it should be mandatory at this point that every single team has to try at least one lateral play in every single game. I mean, it sounds crazy, but... You know how much that would improve the entertainment value of every single game? Because let's face it, the NFL might be king, but there are some dog crap games out there. There just are. Not every game is going to be amazing. However, you at least give your chance, yourself a chance to have an amazing moment every single game if you mandate the lateral. Jacoby knows. Rasul knows. When are the rest of you going to get with the program? It's the change to football that I'll admit, I'll own this, even I didn't know until about 48 hours ago that this is what we needed. I'm talking with Jay Woods of Omega Tax Credits about small businesses under 500 employees qualifying for a tax refund from a new program. Tell me again, Jay, how long does it take for somebody saying, yeah, I don't know, I probably don't qualify. I'm saying find out because you don't know. How long does it take for them to find out? You don't have a more important 10 minutes in your day than these 10 minutes. That's it. 800-704-2000 or go to OmegaTaxCredits.com and find out. Jay is right for your business. There is not a more important 10 But now minutes. I know, and I admit it, and now I'm totally hooked. I also understand that this is basically because mm, totally hooked. Mm. I, I also understand that this totally has now become crushed. a staple of sorts on this show. A second show open in a row about one single play. But that's going to happen when you have the greatest single play. Like, I don't even want to stop watching or thinking or talking about the original. I don't ever want to let that go. And clearly, Russell Douglas is with me too. If Douglas, a good player, doesn't do what he did, then I would have wasted three hours of my life on that game. So instead of cracking this guy, we should be thanking this guy. Do not get it twisted. No, he's not the hero Jacoby Myers is, but then again, nobody is or ever will be. Rasul gets it. Stop coming for this guy. He's the one who gets it. The rest of you don't. My man, nice job. Well done. Way to play it. That's how you do it. Quote, didn't he see what happened yesterday? Yes. That's why he did what he did. How else do you explain that? It was awesome. 
1-800-636-8686. Other than that, what are we talking about? What are we talking about today? Don't ladder. What are you doing? What are you doing? The, the two things that I talked about prior to that, that the Packers suddenly have things, quote, looking up. Yeah, I guess, kind of, sort of, not really. And that the Rams are a disaster. And that that hangover turned into full-blown alcohol poisoning. You're great, Rome. Great takes. Tell us something we don't know. So, again, Russell, thank you, my man. Nice job. Thanks for making my job easier. Who's my favorite team? Team content. 1-800-636. You're welcome. Outro. You know, by the way, we've had some good phone calls. Let's keep that up, too. Coming down the stretch into the last week of the year, get up in here. Yesterday, I afraidy out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. This guy goes, I mean, years. Sometimes years without calling the program. If I can get him every year in the smack off, that's a major win for me in the show. Yet there was Aya Frady, of all people, on December 19th. Sometimes we move the smack off back, and it goes to the end of summer. It's never taken place, as far as I know, in December. Yet there was Aya Frady. Doing what? Coming in here to remind me and everybody else who had been deifying the hood for years that he, in fact, is not a good coach, much less the GOAT. So it's been that kind of week. In fact, the last two weeks, we've had a number of really good phone calls. Keep it up. One good call should beget another good call. There's such a thing as caller momentum. And you are running out of time. No calls on Friday. So if you've got some year-end thoughts, you should start with them right now. 1-800-636-8686. I also want to talk about the Jets. I can't really figure out Robert Receipts Sala. There are days when I think this guy's an absolute stud. And then there are days like yesterday where I don't really get the guy. I'll be honest. This whole instant coffee analogy and how now all of a sudden it's on us. Their issues are on us. And that we're not giving Zach Wilson enough credit or enough room. We're not being patient enough because of an instant coffee reaction. I mean, dude, I'll tell you what my, you know what my reaction to your reaction is? Instant coffee is ass, and so is your quarterback play. But I'll let that out. Chad writes, Jim, stop. You have to get off this Jacoby Myers thing. I can't take it. This is too funny. Dude, don't tell me to stop. I'll never stop. And I'm not trying to be funny. I, I think it's awesome. Legitimately, I cannot get enough of that play. Don't act like I didn't get off the air yesterday, go right into my office, and watch it 100 times more because that's exactly what I did. I can't stop watching it, and I can't stop talking about it. Mac Jones hands it off on a draw to Ramondre Stevenson, breaks out of a tackle at the 50, has the 45, breaks away from another tackle, pitches it backwards, and now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Chandler Jones in midfield, and a step forward. Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. He scores! Oh my goodness! It's like I'm oh high. Oh my goodness! Wow! It's like a drug. I, I get saw. high every time oh I see it. I'm high I can't again. Believe what I just saw. This wow! Is <laughs> I'm like part rainbow oh, guy with the wind chimes. Double rainbow guy. 
Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. An egg is the most versatile grill you're ever going to own. You can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. I'm not kidding. Try a pizza on the egg. It will amaze you. Stop wasting money on grills that you have to replace every few years. We've all been there. We've done that. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs, too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg. It's a ceramic marvel backed by a lifetime warranty. It's simple to light, easy to use, and it works without a power source, so there's no need to plug anything in. And with the playoffs and the holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. It also makes an amazing gift, and they have two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. That's right. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com. Have it delivered to your house for free. That's BigGreenEgg.com, and you will thank me later. I'm joined right now by Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski. Mike, it is great to have you on the show. How are you? Yeah, great. Happy holidays. Yeah, we're I've been busy, happy, and uh, spending uh, a lot of time watching my grandchildren grow up, but also traveling around the country doing a lot of speaking. That's great, Mike. You kind of beat me to it. I was going to say you and I had a great conversation not long ago when we talked about the Redeem Team documentary on Netflix, which is an incredible doc. And it's always good to get caught up with you, but you kind of did answer my first question. I was going to say, you're teaching this course, and we're going to talk about that. But it is the first time, Mike, that you've been away from coaching in 47 years. So I want to ask what that's like. Is that glorious, or on some level, has that been a bit of a challenge? No, it's been great, you know, because my career has been ultimately fulfilling. I mean, I've been the luckiest guy on the planet, uh, coach at West Point for five years, 42 at Duke, 11 with the U.S. team and all the moments and, you know, the, the championships and the tough losses and uh, the many times in the arena. I mean, I, look, I could, I've been lucky. I've been so very lucky. But, you know, Jim, I, although I've retired from coaching, I, I've been a teacher my whole life and then continuing to teach. I'm a professor at our Fuqua uh, uh, Business School. Uh, we did this class for master class, but uh, also in speaking around the country, I've, I've learned a lot. Uh, I'm still curious about how people lead, how people try to build teams, how they try to get people to work together to accomplish goals. And uh, although I did that on the court for a long time, people are doing it every day in our society. And uh, there's some a lot of things from sport that really, really pertain to what you do in real, real life. Now, there's no doubt, Mike. And I, that, I find I have a great curiosity about that right now, and especially at this point in my life. And I don't make any bones about this at all. I started a podcast called The Reinvention Project with Jim Rohn because I think about these very things myself and more so now than ever before. Before we talk about what you teach when it comes to leadership, I think people listening may know of Masterclass or maybe they've heard of it, but they're not exactly sure what it is or how it works. What is Masterclass? Yeah, well, they've been in existence. It actually comes from California and uh, 
basically people in all walks of life, the best, you might have Emeril, you might have John Legend, you might have Andy Leibowitz talk about photography, the best skateboarder, do a class on that, on anything in our society, and they put it out there, it's on the internet, and uh, you subscribe to it, and they've been after me for a few years uh, to do a class on uh, values-driven leadership, and and I didn't have time to do that coaching, and it took a lot of time. It, it really took a lot of time because it's not like one class. It's it's seventeen uh, like lessons, seventeen seventeen small classes of anywhere from eight to twenty minutes, and uh, I've re- I really love doing it. Uh, uh, I. Uh, I've worked with some really good people and putting it on and hopefully it's not about trying to convert people that this is the only way of doing something, but this is how we did it in these different areas. And uh, sometimes it can give you some information that can help you with your own team. We're talking to Mike Krzyzewski. I think a lot of people listening, Mike, or some people listening might say, okay, great, let's talk some Duke basketball, let's talk some USA basketball. I'm curious about what you're talking about, though. We're having a different conversation today. You mentioned values-driven leadership. What is that? How does that work? Well, I thoroughly believe that uh, the businesses, the programs, the organizations that are run with a value-based culture, in other words, you know, people talk about what are you going to do with your team. You know, I always felt like, uh, what am I doing with my program? What am I doing with my culture? And each season adds to it, or you have to adapt. But uh, you know, like for our own program at Duke, uh, we really believed in seven values: integrity, uh, respect, courage, selfless service. Uh, put yourself. Put your unit ahead of you in everything. Uh, trust, loyalty, and duty. Do your job. And we celebrated those values and talked about them. And when new people came into your organiz- into the organization, you talked about that, not just doing your job. Uh, the one thing in shared values, uh, Jim, that uh, I think is important and our Olympic team, the redeem team got it. And then we developed that culture. Those guys were great was that you can hear and you can see, but unless you feel you really never own it. And for something to last, you have to own it. You know, if you own it, you'll, you'll do the very best you can to protect it, to make sure it goes on. If it's just rental property or you're just getting paid for it, uh, it, it's not going to happen. Like with the redeem team, we said, I told them you're not playing for the United States. And, uh, those guys looked at me like I was nuts. And I said, just wait a minute. We won't win the gold medal unless you are United States basketball. And what does that mean? And it means sharing common ground, common values, not just the common goal. And I'm not, minimizing goals. Goals are important, but they're, you can reach them a lot better if everyone on in the unit owns it. Talking to Mike Krzyzewski, he is teaching a class on leadership with Masterclass. So, Mike, let me ask you this. If you're a leader, what's more important, what you say or how you say it? Well, it's a combination. It's always, uh, you know, you got to be careful 
you got to be careful how you say anything. In other words, what's your audience? What's the situation you're in and whatever? But, uh, you know, what you say has to have substance. And then you react to the situation you're in by what you say, how you then how you put it across. How do you, you know, a huge thing is communication, you know, like how do you communicate like, I'm 75 years old. I've always been older than the kids I coached. And last year we had my youngest team. They were really a close team. And two of them were 18 years old. Hmm. And so I can't talk exactly like I would to people in their 60s and 70s. I have to talk like I'm talking to 18 to 23-year-olds. And... Uh, and so you have to stay current. And so that's a huge thing yeah, as a leader. You don't adapt the, the values that you're teaching. You adapt with how you teach the values, you know, how you, how you communicate. And for me, it's kept me young. You know, I'm, you know again, I, <laughs> I still feel I could coach and would be good at coaching, but I didn't want to pay it the price anymore of time of preparation and time on the road uh, to, you know, to make that happen. So, uh, but uh, I, I, I love, you know, I love learning about leadership and teamwork. Jim, leadership is the best profession in the world because it transcends every occupation in the world. In other words, you name it. At, you know, business, if you name it, you have to have leadership. And so, and it's the least taught, uh, occupation in the, in the world. And, and, uh, and the, the cool thing about it is it, every day is interesting as a leader, sometimes more interesting than you would like. So you're hanging out with some friends and you're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end, people start to head out and you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You're good. You can make it. It's not that big of a deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill somebody. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic. They're often deadly. However, that still does not stop everybody from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. This is why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads in order to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over, paid for by NHTSA. Coach K, joining us right now. So, Mike, it's really interesting what you just said. Leadership is the least taught occupation in the world, but it's the occupation that transcends every other occupation. If it's so important, then why are so few people teaching it? Yeah, it's tough to say, like, you have a master's in leadership. You know, it's – and so what you try to do is in the school that you're at, you would hope that in each of the courses, or not in every course, but in a certain number of courses, a big thing is to learn about people. So I recommend people, if you want to be a leader, you know, you might be in finance, medicine, or whatever, 
learn about people, you know, and keep learning about people. I went to the best leadership school in the world, the United States Military Academy. I know the Naval Academy and Air Force Academy uh, probably are, it will, would argue that, but I'll keep them in the top three. And, uh, uh, and then I was an Army officer where I, I, for nine years of my life, I was at West Point and then in the Army, you learn, and you learn about leadership through experience. Uh, and by staying current, current with people, and then by talking to other leaders, uh, I'll give you a good example of that. One of the guys that I coached at West Point a long time ago, Bob Brown, uh, eventually became a four-star general and has just retired a year and a half ago. From the time he was a second lieutenant until now, we've discussed leadership every every year. And where he would talk to me about uh, leadership in the military, and I would talk to him about my how I f- felt about leadership, and uh, and uh, a, a thing that I got from him, this is well over, I don't know how many years ago, was about agile leadership, you know, where you have to be ready to make a move, and I I call it in my my thing like running motion offense, in other words. Uh, I'm coming down the court, and I'm going to make a read. What's the read for this situation? And to me, that's what a leader does. It's, a leader is constantly making reads about the situation that he or she is in. It's, uh, and I, I, I tell my uh, I tell my wife all the time. We've been married 53 years. I said, You're, you know, I've, I've been a point guard my whole life making reads. And uh, and she says, "You're lucky I'm putting up with that point guard for 53 years." <laughs> I but, love that. Uh, uh, no, but being at, you know, in other words, you can have a plan, and you should have a plan because part of good leadership is preparation uh, for whatever you're going to be doing. But then, while you're doing it, to have the agility, to have the ability to make reads that would produce a positive result in whatever in whatever you're doing. I actually love the analogy that you've been a point guard making reads all these years, assessing your options. So, Mike, before you go, obvious question, but great leaders, are they made or are they born? I don't think they're born. I think, uh, I think uh, a lot of people are, are born into environments that lend themselves to become leaders better than others. You know, but uh, leadership can definitely be taught, and uh, I know that because I've learned it. I, I feel like from the beginning, even when I was on the playgrounds in Chicago, I kind of led because I didn't want to waste time. I wanted to make sure we're doing, we're having fun or d- doing something that we like to do. But uh, definitely you can learn to be a leader, and leaders – you know, leaders don't have to be dictators. They're not dictators. They're not yelling at you all the time. They're not, uh, you know, oppressive. You know, they're not. Uh, they're not forcing their will. Uh, a leader, uh, especially in today's climate, has to have humility. 
and the ability to uh, to listen. And I think that's one of the biggest changes that has occurred in the military since I was in the military is the humility that our senior leaders have uh, and their ability to allow others to lead. I, I believe in the word empower. Uh, I don't believe in the word delegate. I, I, I'm not, I don't like to delegate. I would rather empower somebody to use their talents to take care of a specific task that's needed for us to accomplish our mission. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. So before I direct them to Masterclass, Mike, and how they get involved, let me ask you one last thought. You mentioned being on the playgrounds in Chicago. Of course, when you think about it, you think about the playgrounds in New York City. You think about the playgrounds right. in Oakland, L.A., Philadelphia. What were the playgrounds like back in the day for you in Chicago? What were you like on those playgrounds? Well, first of all, there were games like basketball and that going on in the playgrounds. There's not as much as of that going around. And there were never parents you know, when I grew up, in other words, our, it was a different time. I don't know how the heck we got to where we are now, but uh, where you went and winners stayed on the court, winners stayed on the field. Uh, if you were a younger guy, if the older guys were playing and they picked you, that was like a day in heaven, you know, because you, know, you could show your stuff uh, that you were thinking you could do against the older guys at that moment. And you know what? There's there was a bond that was created. I am still best friends with the guys I grew up in Columbus Schoolyard in Chicago. Uh, Mo Twam, <laughs> they we all, they have nicknames Twams. <laughs> all these guys, and uh, uh, and it's because we we grew up together. And uh, I I wish we could do more of that and allow kids to lead, you know, to choose and not just to tell them what what to do. Again, I believe in all the programs we have in that, but there there's something that's missing a little bit that we got we got growing up on in the in the playgrounds. No doubt. No doubt. Now, I would say that that was a master class in leadership, but it's not. That's only a small taste of what there is. There is so much more to it. Mike, if our listeners and our viewers are interested in taking the course, signing up for the course, how do they go about doing so? Yeah, you know, it's on, on the internet. I think you you put in master class and you'll see something. And you, what you'll see is like, a, wow, you'll see like in every aspect of, of society, there's a there's somebody who's in kind of a an accomp not kind of but an accomplished person in that part who will tell you how to write a song, how to grow you know grow beautiful flowers and and whatever. I mean they it's I'm an, I'm honored that I was able to teach a class for master class and uh, I'm 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 proud of what of what we did and hopefully it'll be. Uh, it'll help people. Actually, what it is, it's a really cool platform. I've spent some time there, and you've got a bunch of recognized experts, icons, legends that are teaching, well, their art or whatever it might be. And Coach K is teaching leadership. It is a leadership class with master class. He is a Hall of Famer. He is Mike Krzyzewski. Mike, what a great conversation. It was so good, again, to get caught up with you. Thank you very much, and I would encourage all of our listeners to go there and take that course. All right, and thanks, Jim. Have a happy holidays, all right? You too. Hey, now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake. 
do not eat a bar. Reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And clones, if you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? Call 877-ASK-DELL. 877-ASK-DELL. It's a big day. Big day for the big head. One of his favorite guys is trending. Josh Rosen. Why is Josh Rosen trending? I didn't even know he was sick. Just kidding. He signed with the Vikings practice squad. Yo, head, your dude is still in it. He is still in it. I love it. Not dead, can't quit. All right, speaking of your favorite dudes, head. So let's talk Drake for a minute. I don't agree with UFC fighter Kobe Covington on a lot of things. Actually, pretty much damn near nothing. But I do agree with the welterweight when it comes to Drake and sports betting. He's right. Kobe is right. Drake does suck at that. Drake, you suck at sports betting. Go back to your little albums of rapping. I mean, he's right and he's not. I mean, he's right about sports betting, but not about rapping. He's actually pretty damn good at that. And he sells a lot of those, quote, bleepy little albums. But yes, he does, in fact, suck at sports betting. Fact. Fact. How bad does he suck at sports betting? The dude is straight up the worst sports better on planet Earth. How do I know? Well, Champagne Poppy is at it yet again. He bet on Argentina to win the World Cup. However, he was not popping any champagne after the final. And I know what you're thinking. Hey, idiot, I thought you were all dialed into soccer now. Thought you were that guy. If you were, you would know damn well that Argentina, you fat-ass Rome, you idiot. If you knew, like you said you knew, you would know that Argentina won. Yes, I know, Jack Wagons. I'm aware of that. I am dialed into the world of soccer right now. And yes, I know Argentina did win the World Cup, of course. But I'm here to tell you they won the World Cup, but Drake still lost his bet. That's how bad this guy is at sports betting. He bet on the winner, but instead of slapping all of Argentina with the Drake curse, he slapped himself with it instead. That's right. The world's worst sports better posted his betting slip on his gram. It showed that he bet a one by two market bet, meaning with these bets, the team needs to win in regulation time. Oh, meaning when Francis Killian Mbappe went Killian Mbappe. Late regulation, that meant despite losing in a shootout, it meant that Drake lost his bet. Trying to find Mbappe now. He'll steer it back inside. Chirac, Mbappe! Martinez with hands to it, but the power and the execution from killing Mbappe. The French have been down and out, and they have risen back. That meant the rapper was out of cool one mil. 
And had Mbappe not gone full-on Mbappe, he would have won 2.75 mil. Dude was few minutes, just a few minutes away from that payday. But here's the miracle. Drake somehow, someway, only gave himself a nice swift kick in his own package. And somehow Argentina and Messi managed to get over. Which never happens when gambling's ultimate cooler, Drake, hits you. It's truly amazing. Number one, how bad he is in sports betting. And number two, how many legends that he has iced, especially of late. I mean, do you know how dominant you have to be to beat the Drake curse? And Messi and Argentina just did. I mean, this dude's career should not be defined by all that hardware that he has collected. It should just read, overcame the Drake sports betting curse. Because this cat, this year, has absolutely ethered legends in virtually every single sport with one small swipe of an accept bet at a time. Remember, he just lost $2 million bucks last month when Izzy was stopped in the fifth round of his UFC title fight. Izzy had never, ever lost a middleweight fight until Drake gave him the curse of a sports betting death. Ahead on the cards, and it was almost like the gambling gods knew Drake had money on it. And that was after the dude stopped the seemingly unstoppable Kamara Usman at UFC 278 in August. You know, the guy on the short list as the greatest fighter ever. He had never lost in the UFC, ever. Yeah, and you all think it was this kick from Leon Edwards, but in reality, it was actually those same gambling gods delivering Usman a Drake kick to the face. A moral victory from Leon Edwards. But that is not the cloth from which he is cut. I mean, no. that is a dejected... oh! Oh! No! That's Drake, not Leon. They're like, a moral victory for Leon. Nope, nope. Another victory for the Drake curse. Can I tell you something? The 92 Dream Team is just damn lucky that sports betting was not legal back then or they would have lost when Drake hit them. He would have taken down Coach K. Well, actually, he did. He took down Coach K in his final game ever in the Final Four this season. He iced Alabama football, Ice. FC Barcelona, AC Milan, Milan, the New York Rangers, my guy Jorge Masvidal, Anthony Joshua, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Baltimore Ravens, and the list goes on and on and on and on. He bet all of them, and they all went down. The only five-star lock that there is in the game is that you and he will lose if he picks them to win. It's like all of Argentina channeled its inner Rich Sherman when they saw him post his bet. No. No, 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 no. You will not. No, you will not. You do not bring him in. No, no, you do not. 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 You do not bring him in. You do not have a say in what looks like Messi's final World Cup game. You do not bring him in. And incredibly, Argentina did it. Biggest upset in the history of the sport. Now that we know the backstory. Hexy-poo, hexy-poo. You know, the only person who took a bigger L than Drake was Salt Bay. Did you see his act after the win? Harassing the players like he was a part of the team. Getting totally snubbed by Messi. 
trying to grab the trophy from the players, chumming it up around the net like he made actual saves himself. Russell Wilson thought that it was cringy watching your act, and that guy knows cringe. I mean, not to be an American snob, but is this a thing? When the Rams won the Super Bowl, did Rachel Ray try to wrap up on the Lombardi? Did Bobby Flay try to get picks with the Larry O? Back away, meme. Security should have sprinkled mace particles on his forehead like he sprinkles sea salt over his overpriced slabs of beef. Bench the salt. Bench the salt. Bay. Bench the salt. Bay. Bench the salt. Bay. Bench the salt. Bay. Bench the Bay. salt. Bay. Bench the salt. Bench the salt. Why are you running around acting like Bench you're on the, the team? They obviously wanted nothing to do with you, Bay. Bench the salt. Bay. Bench the salt. Bay. Bench the salt. Bay. Bench the salt. The hell are you doing on the field, dude? We are joined by Cougars head coach Kalani Satake. Kalani, it's great to have you back on. How are you? What's going on, Jim? How you doing? Good, good. Great to have you back. So let me start with that game Saturday. Great, great game Saturday. You had, for those who missed it, SMU had that furious comeback. They scored 13 in the fourth quarter. They went for the win with eight seconds left, only to have your defense hold and deny them on that two-point attempt. Kalani, you've had some big, big wins there. Where would you rank this one? I mean, it's the most recent one, so uh, it's the most fresh in my mind, and uh, just really happy that we were able to get that win. Uh, a lot of credit to SMU in that game. I mean, they they came back and in, in the in the fourth quarter and and, and uh, started to do what they normally do to everyone. And that's throw the ball around. And I'm glad our guys were able to get that stop. And I, I think going for two is the right call for them. And and uh, let's put it all in line on one play. And I don't, I don't mind those odds. Oh, I love it. That's what it's all about. Now I know it's a team effort, but what a great great individual effort by safety Jacob Robinson on that two point quarterback sneak attempt by Tanner Mordecai, their quarterback. He probably's got 40 pounds on Robinson. What did you see on that play, and what did you make of his individual effort? Comes down to the fundamentals. Uh, we, you know, we, we probably lacked a little bit of the fundamentals and, and technique and uh, earlier in the season, um, and and, and uh, didn't tackle as well as we should have, and that's on me as a coach. But uh, our emphasis on the on the basics and the fundamentals. Uh, simple things uh, paid off, especially on that in that game and that and that play. Uh, uh, Jacob's always been a great tackler for us because his his, uh, his desire and his will to do that and then put his body on the line. He's when you have someone that's willing to do that, you can keep working on on the simple things. And I was glad that he was able to make that play and, and get that win for us. We're talking some BYU football. You mentioned that earlier in the year you might have lacked some of the fundamentals. You know, the fact is the team went through a four game losing streak back in October. There were some changes that were made. I'm hearing what you're saying that you had a return of the fundamentals. Ultimately, though, how did you get this thing turned around the way you did mid midstream? Well, you just keep focusing on, on faith in the team and faith in each other. You keep working on your culture. Uh, you, you know, if your culture is done right, it's not just on the results of the game. Uh, you, you, if your culture is done right, it, it, when you go through some adversity, the guys will bind together and they be, be closer. And so, but that's what we saw from our team. Uh, you know, obviously we all want to win every game, but um, when you go through some of these, um, some of the adversity, those are great learning moments for us. And, and it's important for me as a head coach and our staff to emphasize that that uh, we trust these young men, we love them, 
Uh, we want them to be the best versions of themselves. And sometimes that means going through some difficulty and going through some adversity. That's the best teacher right there. I was going to say, there's only growth in adversity, right? Kalani Sataki joining us. You know, if you take a step back and you look at that game, I mean, it's it's a wild, wild win. It's a win without completing a single pass in the second half. It's a win with your fourth-string quarterback in his first start, ripping the offensive MVP of the game. I mean, how do you explain any of it? Do whatever it takes to win. And, and uh, you know, it, I don't think we imagined going to the second half only throwing one pass, um, but uh, just having the guys be able to bind together. And, you know, we've had some uh, some injuries and some guys that weren't able to play in that game. And, uh, and you mentioned it yourself. We, you know, we, we feel good about our preparation. And sometimes you have to make adjustments. Sometimes you have to go with what you have uh, in the game plan. And, and uh, I'm, I'm happy that we were able to, to adjust. Um, you make plays and try to find a way to get the win at the end of it. And, and uh, when, when you're, when you're looking back at the score and looking back at the game, it, it was a full 60 minutes of everybody playing complimentary football. And that's between all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. Right. So offensively, the quarterback in question is Soljay Mayava Peters. What was your advice for him going into the game? And then what did you make of the way he handled the moment and the big stage? Well, he's a big time playmaker and, and and we feel good about our our guys on our team. And you know, you have you kind of have to have a, a little bit something to you when you're a quarterback and uh seeing him in, in recruitment and seeing him prepare. Uh our, our all our guys prepare the right way. I feel really comfortable with anybody that's gonna take the snaps under center. And um, you know, we just wanted Soldier to relax and just do his thing. But I thought it was important for us as a coaching staff and for the offensive staff to put him in a position where he can utilize his strengths and uh, obviously running the ball is something that he does really well. Um, this is a cold game, but you know, I I felt like overall he was he was just getting warmed up and doing some things. And then he ran to some adversity himself through an interception. Uh, the guys had his back, and we just we, we rallied together, and we knew that towards the end of the game something's going to happen. SMU is going to take chances and and try to make plays, and obviously they made more plays in the fourth quarter that we were able, weren't able to stop them, and that's why it came down to the to the one play, the two point conversion. But if I had it my way, we would have taken care of business earlier in the game. But um, I'm just I'm glad that the guys were resilient and stuck with it even to the last play. Kalani Sataki joining us. We're talking BYU ball. So let me ask you this. How different do you think the offseason and then ultimately spring practice will feel after an enormous bowl win, especially as you get ready to enter the Big 12? Well, it'll feel great if we use it right. You know, it's, it's utilizing the momentum that we have and that we're going to gain through recruiting. Um, and there's going to be attrition through through um, through the off season right now and in the, in the break going to the holiday season. And so there's going to be guys that we're, we're uh, that are going to move on and guys that are going to come in and, and, and it's utilizing the momentum that we've gained already from the season and, and the adversity that we've had, we've been able to overcome. And then now you get to the point where, okay, we've got to start building, but I'm actually excited about it. We we've known about the big 12 for a long time now. And I've always had to say, Hey, uh, let's focus on this season. Let's focus on this game. Let's focus on these seniors that are not going to be playing the Big 12. And now it's like, hey, we're open for business. Big 12, let's go. Let's get the recruiting rolling. Let's get our guys uh, thinking a different mindset because this is different. This is uncharted territory. We've never been in this situation before, going from an independent now to a, a P5 conference and a tough one like the Big 12. Uh, it's going to be rough. It's going to be tough. But uh, I've been through this before. I've been through this transition. I was at Utah when we went from the Mountain West to the Pac-12. And so uh, that was a good learning experience for me and, and others like Jay Hill, our, our new defensive coordinator, associate coach. A-Rod was, was, uh, was, was going through that same transition too. So uh, we're, we're familiar with it. Uh, 
uh, we know that this is different being being BYU, but uh, there's some things that that I think we know and, and have experience that will help us you, through the transition. You literally ripped my very question. I was going to say, you know that things are going to be awfully different now as you end your independent status, you join that Power 5 conference. You actually used my word. I was going to say, what's your mindset as you get ready to attack this opportunity? You pretty much answered it. So let me put it to you another way. BYU has played such a central role in your life dating back to your playing days for Lavelle Edwards. Given how strongly you feel about this program and what it means to you, what's it mean then to be the one to preside over and lead the program into the Big 12 Conference? It means the world for me to be here. I grew up a BYU fan, and for me to dream as a young boy to one day play for the legend Lavelle Edwards, and then and then all of a sudden, you know, I get to play for Lavelle. I was one of his last captains his his final year in coaching. Uh, the stadium was named after him when I was playing and, and being a captain for him. Uh, and then now I get to come back and be the head coach here. And, um, you know, he was alive his last year on this earth. He was alive when I was uh, my first year as a head coach here. I, I try to take as much knowledge from him as I possibly could. And, and I've been really close with his family. And so uh, it's important for me to um, allow what he's done as a head coach for me as a, as a, as a former player. Uh, to try to have that same type of mindset and have that same type of environment for our players. It meant the world to me um, when I played here, and I'm hoping to just do something very similar. And it's, it's uh, I've said this before, what I'm doing is not really original or unique to me. This is, this is what Lavelle did for me when I was a, when I was a player, I really enjoyed it, and I'm hoping I can do that for this generation. I think that's pretty awesome. Before we go, you mentioned the point that we couldn't really talk about the Big 12 because we had to focus on what was in front of us, focus on the seniors, focus on the schedule right there. Now you can focus on the Big 12, but at the same time, I want to ask you, how anxious are you to see how things shake out surrounding Oklahoma and Texas and their departure so you can see exactly what your schedule is going to look like? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's all exciting to me. I know it's exciting to you, Jim, because you, you're generating all this interest in the sport. We have, I believe college football is the best thing going on, man. And 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 uh, this is so much investment and bought in from everybody, from fans to to the conferences, to universities and from coaches and so and, and players themselves. So I, I think the more you talk about it, the better. And so I, whatever comes our way, it doesn't matter what it is. We will adjust and, and be a part of it. But more, more than anything, I'm going to be so grateful and just thankful that I get to be a, part, a small part of this this college football. Oh, world. I know this about I'm you. Do the best I can. I was going to say, Coach, sorry about that, Kalani. I know this about you. I know you're grateful. I know you have great gratitude. And so one last thought. So what kind of an impact has it had on recruiting so far? Like, what are your conversations like now compared to what they were when you were an in independent? Yeah, well, I think, the, the you know, when you're looking at the core and the foundation of our program, is finding young men and, uh, and their families to uh, let them know that they're going to be a part of something bigger than just themselves, and then uh, giving them that motivation to to be at their best self. Uh, that that's our goal, and and um, you know I don't think we can ever go away from that. I, I know that going into the Big Twelve, everybody's expecting a, a different way to recruit. Uh, we will do things unique and 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 different, but to our university, it's got to be in line with the mission of our of our university the mission of our church and definitely our programs aligned with that. So as a head coach, we want to have the, the you know, the, 
the foundation still build on it but we know that there's some unique uh, different um, people that we can bring into this program and the diversity that you can offer i'm looking forward to to getting to that and and letting more more people know about byu football and and how they can actually fit into our school and fit into our program and that is also aligned with how they live their life so uh, i think it's going to be a really good thing for us i'm looking forward to get this program rolling um, 2023 is going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait. I like all that. And you're exactly right what you said about this. For me, this is great. I love this. I'm all about the content. I'm all about the discussion. And I'm all about the energy. It's going to be a really exciting time. Kalani Sitaki, the head coach of BYU, coming off another big year, 8-5, and five, a bowl win over SMU in the New Mexico Bowl, and a move to the Big 12 Conference. Kalani, great to have you back. Appreciate you, and I always have a great time talking to you. Thanks so much. Happy holidays, my friend. Good night now!